Wine and Shine Podcast, Episode 21. You know, addressing that deeper piece of where you're at with your body and your health and love and in grace actually can affect things. I'm Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have an interview with my nutritional therapist, Kelly Graham. She has done so much to help me with a lot of the health issues I was dealing with, especially with my hormonal imbalance and basically just calms all of my woes and all of my worries when it comes to nutrition and all of the things I'm dealing with. We asked her a ton of questions relating to hormone balance, gut health. We talk about probiotics. Stress, a lot of stress. Ooh, a lot of stress and how that affects our overall health and a lot about the body-mind connection and how that affects your overall health and wellness. So we know that you're really going to enjoy this episode and let's get started. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Kelly is my nutritional therapist that I've been working with for a little while. And I found you through Coconuts and Kettlebells website. And I reached out and shoot, what's her name? Yeah. New Altar. Altar. I emailed her and she set me up with you. And I think it was a perfect fit. And I've loved talking to you. And you're so helpful for all of my millions of questions about my health and wellness worries. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm heck of blushing over here. (laughs) Well, and I'm super excited to meet you because anyone, Nina's done a really good job at building her tribe and people around her that just offer support in all of these different areas. So I'm excited to meet anybody that's building up my BFF. So (laughs) coming from my end, even though I don't work with you, I'm excited to meet a supporter of my friend. Oh, you're sweet, Liz. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, nutritional therapy and how you got into this sort of work? And I don't know, a little bit about like holistic nutrition and what that means and what that is. Yes. Okay. So I came across NTA, which stands for Nutrition Therapy Association. So they are the school that I graduated from as a nutrition therapy practitioner. That's my official title. And nutrition, nutritional therapy practitioners or nutritional therapists, they're two interchangeable titles. Um, we work with our clients either a one-on-one basis or groups. I mean, it really varies how they work, but we work with people with rebuilding the foundations of their body. So instead of focusing on weight loss, for example, we're going to look at the deeper quote unquote root cause. Like what is the cause of, you know, your body holding on to all this excess weight, even if you're doing quote unquote all the right things. So we're going to be looking at diet, lifestyle pieces, what are the stressors in your life? What's your digestion looking like? You know, what is your blood sugar regulation looking like? So all those pieces kind of add up and they act as the pillars upon which you're going to be providing support to that client so they can really start to see some real healing. So NTPs are very hands-on when it comes to supporting their clients' nutritional needs, but we're also really good at supporting their emotional and uh, mental needs as well, because that goes hand in hand with uh, finding your wellness again, is getting a hold of the whole picture and working on all foundations together. Definitely. I I feel like that the emotional mental piece was kind of why I was searching out a nutritional therapist in the first place is because I was most focused on like what is happening on a hormonal standpoint, I guess, with my body and how nutrition could supplement that and help me as opposed to turning towards medicine. I just had this feeling that like medicine wasn't the answer for me and that there was something more that I could do. And like working with you and then also just doing a lot of research on my own has brought to light so much how just food and lifestyle and stress play such a huge role in our mental health. 
Absolutely. Yes. And until I joined the NTA, I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. I was a, I thought I knew it all. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? I know. (laughs) I know, but, but because it's so, it's such a prevalent thing in the media. I mean, you can't even check your groceries out without saying, try this new food and it's going to, you know, make, make your skin perk up, uh, you know, within five days or, you know, all that, all of that. I thought I had all the information. And then once I went through the NTA, my eyes were, you know, just wide open. There was so much that I realized, wow, I did not know this. I did not know that in order to fix my hormones, I had to fix my gut first. You know, I had to look at what's stressing me out, what's causing the leaky gut, and why can't I get my hormones back on track oh gosh, story with life. just taking um, supplements or doing certain protocols and things like that. Can we talk a little bit about gut health? Because that's kind of the buzz thing I've been hearing. It seems to just be popping up everywhere. And I really am not familiar with gut health and what all that entails and why it's important. I know it's it has to do with being like the center of your body and a lot kind of, there's a lot of foundational work done there. Um, Can you explain just to our listeners kind of what gut health entails? I'm sure that's a big question. (laughs) Yeah, and you're so right about it being kind of like the hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. And I I always advise uh, my clients and, you know, other people that I'm working with, um, you know, whatever's the hot thing, like you can pay attention to it, but um, (laughs) don't don't go for everything that's out there because sooner or later it'll like kind of fly off the radar. But gut health is really important because it really is the foundation to our health period as human beings. I mean, if you think about it, the energy we have, the energy capacity that we have on a daily basis to operate doing anything, whether it's lifting a stack of books or driving your car to work, that requires nutrients. And so in order to absorb those nutrients, we need to have a good solid gut lining. And in today's world, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people that have to drive in very stressful, heavy traffic to work. There's a lot of uh, people who are consuming foods that they don't know that are harmful to them. You know, who who looks at a sandwich and thinks, oh, that's going to really wreck my gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that's really going to deprive me of the nutrients that I need. And so everybody's story is different. But really, having solid gut health is going to be the key to having wellness overall. Because... If we don't have a good lining, if we don't have a good solid, you know, gut lining, and there's leaky gut present, it's going to be very hard for us to fight off um, bacterial infections, viruses. It's going to be very hard for us to absorb good nutrients, even we when we are getting good food. And that's another thing. You know, I've come into contact with a lot of people where they're like, "But I'm eating all the right things, yeah, and it's not working." And I can feel their frustration because I was there too. And I didn't understand that I needed to slow my role, you know, look at things from a more objective perspective and look at, okay, what am I putting in my body that could be actually canceling out all the good things I'm doing for my gut? You know, you I'm sure you guys have heard about bone broth mm-hmm. and desiccated liver and all these really good supplements. But really what it comes down to is, and and now what we're finding is that there is a direct tie between the brain and the gut. And that's called the uh, gut-brain HPA axis. And so we can support our gut health by, you know, eating the right foods, you know, cutting back the stress, putting things back in our life that make us happy. But we also have to support the mental part of it as well, because it's, intricately connected and we just can't disconnect that part. (laughs) So how does somebody know if they do not have a healthy gut? Like what are some of the signs that they can say something is not working right here? One big one that I've seen consistently throughout all cases that I've worked is uh, skin. You know, if you experience just a sudden bout of breakouts, that is a definite sign. If you are experiencing like, you know, sluggishness or certain feelings after you eat certain things, like for some people, if they have a heavy, a carb, heavy carbohydrate diet um, or they have a heavier carb meal and they feel kind of afterwards, they may not be digesting it very well. Um, so those are a couple of things. And like I was saying, everybody's a bio-individual 
So it's going to really differ with the person. Mm-hmm. I still am struggling with like face breakouts and I clearly need to set up another appointment with you. I've been so (laughs) slacking on that. I really, really need to. And I know this because there's so many questions I have and like so many things I want to talk to you about. But yeah, like I feel like I'm that person that's like, I'm eating all the right things. I'm trying to be mindful. I'm trying to like slow down when I'm eating and I'm trying to make sure my stress levels are reduced. But then Like I'm still dealing with a lot of fatigue that I don't know why is there. And I'm still dealing with some face breakout stuff that I don't know why is there. And so I think it's just like really important to find somebody that you can talk to, to coach you through. Like you said, everybody's different and everybody's going to react differently to their gut issues. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why... I'm, I, I guess I can't talk too much because I'm still looking for someone to work with myself. <laughs> um, and it's it's challenging to find a practitioner that you can really trust to work one-on-one. And I think that that's a, a comfort level that people have found with um, NTPs or other practitioners that kind of, they believe in a more holistic approach mm-hmm. and they believe in a more bio-individual approach and not a cookie cutter plan. Um, is that, you know, you get to know, they get to know you as a person. And so what's so important about that, and you're gonna have to excuse all the rustling because there's a cat making a nest out of my stuff. Oh my gosh, I love it. (laughs) The world of pets. Yeah, exactly. Right? I just can't get away from the river. But it's just like, there's a lot of stuff in our past also that we don't realize can affect our health in the present um, and can continue to affect our health in the future as well. So having someone that you, that can really get to know you, like a practitioner that can really get to know you as a person, mm-hmm. that'll be so helpful and under uncovering that root cause. Cause until you get to that and you're not really supporting it, everything else at the same time, you're going to have this consistent, okay, I still see the symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, struggling with the fatigue. I'm still struggling with, you know, the, the foggy brain and all these oh other gosh. things. These, all these things. I have all of like these things. Brain. What about bloating? Is that another gut issue? Bloat? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I will just say a print center. I'm not, you know, I'm not an IBS or SIBO expert. I do work for one, but that's pretty consistent is having bloat. Um, you're not digesting things very well. There are certain foods that some people will eat where they're just afterwards like a puffer fish. It's just mm. instant. Yeah. Um, so when you're dealing with something like that, this is why it's a, I always tell people, you know, even, even if they're not clients, I mean, I've just, I've talked to people in the grocery store and they probably think I'm weird, but <laughs> I think, or helpful. <laughs> Keep a food journal, you know? I didn't really start seeing certain things about, you know, what was going on with my gut issues too until I started keeping a food journal. Mm-hmm. So keeping track of like what you ingest and how you feel and what went on that day, that'll really help narrow things down for you to go, okay, why am I dealing with the bloat? And then if you're working with someone, you can present that to them and it, it makes things flow easier. Makes a lot of sense. So when working on this stuff, are there tests that people typically do or is it kind of like an elimination sort of trial and error thing? Um, It can be a combination of both. It really depends on what you are both uh, emotionally and financially capable of doing because Mm -hmm. testing can get kind of expensive. Right. It depends on your insurance cover uh, coverage as well. But there are tests that you can get done, stool, bacterial and um, there's actually some genetic panels you can get done now too that are pretty interesting. So it really would depend. Are some people more prone to getting their bodies sort of out of whack just genetically or how does it work? I just, it seems like the woman's body is so sensitive. And <laughs> I know that like for me, I seem to kind of derail or go a little bit crazier than some of my friends and some of them can eat certain things or not get as enough or not get as much sleep as me or not or even have more stressful lives than me and they seem fine and then when it happens to me my seem body being just the key a mess. word seem you okay also, you're right. you also don't know what's going underneath the surface like other than me many of your friends are like i'm bloated nina yeah like, you know no you're right you're right but yeah are some women just more prone to feeling this way and getting out of whack yeah, you know, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty common question that I've heard over the years. And 
I kind of pushed it to the side for a while, but Mm -hmm. until I started working with this clinical nutritionist I work with who specializes in genetics, I started to realize, wow, there there is a lot to this and it's still a developing area of study, but it's developed to the point where people are realizing, okay, so the choices, you know, the my genetic piece really does matter. And so if I'm gonna break genetics down for people, I tell them it's simply this. It's the decisions that your ancestors have made, the circumstances that they grew up in, and things that they were exposed to. So for example, mm. if your grandmother was exposed to chemicals for a certain period of time, that is going to affect her genetic expression. It's going to affect your mother's genetic expression. It's mm. going to affect yours. So there's going to be some certain things that you're dealing with that you know you may not have come in contact with at all, but it gets passed on to you that way in that small way. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And then a lot of things with genetics, if I understand it correctly, is like, they are there and they can get triggered. But if you are doing things in a healthful way and kind of giving yourself like, I don't know, like being gracious with yourself and treating your body the way that it's meant to be treated, then those genetic features may not get triggered. Correct. Yes. And um, I I think I'm going to put this in the resources because she's just such a wonderful person and you hit it right on the money. Approaching it in a loving way and, you know, accepting where you're at and loving your body where it's at, mm-hmm. loving yourself where you're at. That is so, so important as a practitioner, as a person, you know, as a as just a spirit period, I have come to realize that, you know, addressing that deeper piece of where you're at with your body and your health and love and in grace actually can affect things. Mm-hmm. It can really be a game changer, even if you... It, you know, at the moment, or even for a month after, you know, doing something like mental work, or you're you're practicing mindfulness, or you're even doing like morning yoga, and you have a, your own personal mantra, you might not even see any change for over a couple months. But you know, keeping at it, that really does help shift your body to where you want thing, where you want to go. Well, and it's like you said with the mind and gut connection. It's like when. I just completely relate to and understand the whole mind-body connection in general. And that like, if you do not feel like you're going to get better or you don't trust in yourself or you're not giving yourself grace, then your body reacts to those emotions. But if you can kind of frame it in that, like I'm going to be okay and I'm safe and I'm in control, then your body starts reacting to those thoughts in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what we don't want to trigger in the middle of our quote unquote healing crisis, Mm -hmm. right, is the stress response. The stress response is a major buzzkill. It doesn't do us any good. No. (laughs) So if we're sitting over there worried about "Ah, just not progressing, I'm not losing the weight, my skin's still a mess, you know, this just is not working for me. Patience is key. It really is being patient with your circumstances, being patient with yourself, talking. If you got to talk to yourself in the mirror for five minutes a day, I highly encourage that saying, you got this. Like, okay, body, you know what you're doing. I'm giving you the nutrients, the you know supplements, the whatever you need. Um, I'm just going to let you do your thing. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to be working in conjunction with this other person who's helping guide me through this process. So what are some of the signs that your body might be out of alignment and needs some attention? You know, we've talked about um, fatigue and brain fog. Uh, What are some other red flags that maybe something's going on? You might want to check out. Mm, Well, since we're kind of focusing on the ladies today. uh... (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I think our listeners are like 99.9. Female, so it's fine. Definitely think that they are. My husband that does the show notes, he's the (laughs) 0.001% male. Cody, who also has to listen to upload our episodes. Right. Oh, man. So sorry. Okay, so we won't get into anything gross, right? Quote unquote gross. Well, we can, but in a delicate, (laughs) nice. Well, you're talking to someone who talks about. about poop sometimes is part of her living. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. All of that comes into like your health and uh, your holistic nutrition. Like ev- girls need to know about that too. Absolutely. Well, you know, for, for women though, um, like you were saying earlier, Nina, 
um, we seem to be susceptible to stress a lot more. And that's because, let's face it, guys don't need reproductive hormones as much Mm -hmm. as we do. Yeah. Not everybody plans to be a parent, right? Mm -hmm. But our body has something different in mind. It like, so get ready. Yeah. (laughs) The biological clock. Having that balance, um, having that that proper and beautiful hormonal, uh, sex hormonal cascade is very important. And so when stress impacts our life, that gets all out of whack. Mm -hmm. And we can see that in terms of PMS, having irregular menstrual cycles, um, you know, having the skin break breakouts, having constipation or diarrhea, or sometimes both. You can have trouble, you know, getting out of bed in the morning, just not having any energy whatsoever. Even if you have felt like you slept a, you know, a full night's sleep, um, you can be craving certain things that you didn't crave before. And here's another thing that's kind of interesting when it comes to food cravings, if your body is going through something, you might actually be craving foods that make it worse. Hmm. Like refined carbs, sugary foods, uh, you know, crackers, chips. I tend to crave like cheesy bread and I don't eat that anymore. But now you have me one cheesy bread, knock it off. But, and especially because I have lunch duty and I have to watch all the kids eat like the, you know, the cheesy bread, boats from middle school and like the square pizzas and the Bosco sticks. Like I will start craving those around certain times of the month. And I'm like, why? Like, I don't even eat this anymore. And I know I don't, my body doesn't actually want that, but I crave it. Yes, absolutely. Well, I have one word when it comes to that, and that is stress. Mm. <laughs> so basically, stress is the root of all evil. Is yes, the vibe I'm like getting, it. which I feel like I've known <laughs> with myself. <laughs> yeah, it's it is definitely one of the roots. Not you know that's something that I've returned to again and again. Um, you know, both in the practice that I was running, um, you know, just when I'm talking to other people on a daily basis, is like really look at. Um, what's impacting you right now? You know, what is it that's keeping you awake at night? Once you start working on that, things are going to start to fall into place. But when it comes to food and we find ourselves, you know, wanting certain things um, that we normally wouldn't want to eat, the stress is often the underlying cause. Sometimes it feels like, and I'm speaking from my own experience here, and I'm sure a lot of other women feel this way, is... Mm -hmm when you're starting to feel stressed or when you're starting to worry, it almost feels uncontrollable. So it's like, you know, like something's happening at work and I'll say to myself, okay, like you can either stress about this or you can change your thought process. And maybe I'll take five minutes to meditate or maybe I'll journal or something like that. But your body still kind of carries on the weight of whatever stressor was happening. And then I think if you have a more sensitive body or, or not, it's like, then once you're not feeling well, or maybe you weren't eating as well, and then you're still trying to combat stress, it's like that's when everything blows up. So do you have any tips or have you seen any women that are dealing with like trying to work on their stress, but it just still doesn't seem to work the way that they want it to? Does that question make sense? That was kind of a long-winded like stre- way well, of I, saying it. I think what you're getting at is that sometimes the stress can run you. Exactly. Like, how do you get out of that? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is exactly what we were talking, what I was actually talking to you about earlier is like, you know, if you're going, you're having an experience, it's not a good experience. We, you know, we, we've established that, Yeah. but you have this decision to make, you know, you can let it run you or you can take control. And so some of the tools for taking control, um, and again, it really, you know, kind of depends on the situation. Like if you're at work and you can't just leave, right? it will be kind of hard because you can't just step out of that. So one of the things that I've recommended um, to people and that I've used for myself is actually just breathing. Breathing, practicing deep breathing is actually very relaxing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes us back to this uh, infant state, right? So as infants, we deep breathe. As kids, we would deep breathe like from the, you know, from the gut up. And when we're adults, we don't do that anymore. We're, we're 
I, I made a joke the other day, I think, to my sister's like, you know, I look around, it's just a bunch of shallow breathers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's very true. Kind of goes back. We used to talk about this. So Nina and I were both voice majors. Right. And so we used to talk about the same thing about how it used to be very like diaphragmatic breathing. Like that was just how people naturally did. But then it people raise it up and mm-hmm. up and up and up. And I feel like stress follows that same pattern. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So deep breathing is something that I definitely recommend to people starting with just three to five. Um, if that's all you feel like you can handle right now without feeling like someone's judging you or they're looking at you weird. Cause that's another thing too. It's hard to, it's hard to use our de-stressing tools when we're worried about what other people think. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I will lock myself in my office sometimes and I get nervous. I have a window in my office and I get nervous sometimes that a student's going to walk by and be like, Mrs. Boyce is whacked out right now. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. Why is she deep breathing with her eyes closed? Is she dying? And it like kind of ruined, you know, I'm like, I know I need to do this because my body feels like it needs to release some stress right now. But then in the back yeah. of your mind, you're like, what if a teacher walks in? What if a kid Even walks like, in? For me at home, like when I meditate, like my husband and I both meditate. If he came downstairs and saw me meditating, he would not like point at me and laugh. He would probably just move on. But like, I get really weird, like have to be quiet and like not look weird because if Zach comes and I feel stupid. Cody's used to it now. He just opens the door and then closes the door quietly. Like I just know. And sometimes when he's in the room, I can hear him like tiptoeing in the room and I don't even care anymore. I've just gotten used to it. At least I'm, at least I don't feel stressed with him, I guess. Cody gets a point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the, the breathing is definitely one. And another thing would be, and this is going to sound really weird, and it goes right in hand in hand with the breathing, but posture, mm-hmm. practicing good posture. Where did that go? As we <laughs> are both slumped yeah, we're over like right now. so bad right now. We need to sit up. I just automatically like I know, both of us just straightened like, our backs when you said that because we were both hunched over these microphones. Yeah. I can so see you guys like straightening in your chair. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Like wiggling That's our shoulders funny. and everything right now. Yeah, so just imagine that you have, well, that school mom pulling your arms back through the hanger Mm -hmm. um, and just straightening your back. And, you know, not just sitting like that, but walking like that too. And not only does that um, help with the deep breathing, it works out your abs. You Mm -hmm. start to get a stronger core. Your core is really what is is the power, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's That's what gives you... Um, a lot of your power when you're pushing, lifting, pulling, anything like that. But also it it gives a different air about you. You have more confidence. You exude more confidence. People take notice. And trust me, I've experimented with this That's cool. before um, going out in public and you're just kind of like staying small and slouching and mm-hmm. then s- sitting up and, you know, standing, sitting uh, with upright posture and looking straight out at the world. It's a totally different experience. And you just you feel like you're more open to things. And I think that that's, that goes hand in hand with the breathing um, and really helps with the stress. I feel like that also makes sense to the whole body-mind connection thing because your body, when it's standing tall and you're feeling confident, it like kind of tricks your mind, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah. look, my body believe feels in this way. <laughs> yeah, so now I believe in myself. That makes a lot Absolutely. of sense. Okay, I want to go off of something you just said with the core and how your core is kind of just the main piece that pulls everything together. Can we chat about belly fat for a second? Oh, life is belly fat. Because I know that that is also very hormone related when you carry a lot of mid. I don't want to say mid-fat. Mid-section weight? weight. That's a better way of saying it. Mid-fat. Because I do. Is that another common um, sign that your hormones may need a little bit of attention? Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up, Nina, because it's a combination of a couple different things. And of course, the genetics piece comes into this, you know, if you're a mom. Stupid genetics. (laughs) But it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. Um, One is hormones. Yes. Cortisol levels, if they're higher, you may be likely to store, you know, more weight in that area. Um, and everybody's different. So sometimes people store it there. Some pe- sometimes people store it in other places. And then 
Another one is toxicity. Maybe your body is storing something there and it's trying to shuffle it away from, you know, more vital places. Mm. And the same thing comes up with people who go, oh, I can't lose the fat off of the back of my legs or whatever. It's, you know, it's like, well, let's look at the different pieces like hydration. Are you eating out of plastic, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Sleep is another one. Sleep is super important. Getting those sleep cycles in um, doesn't necessarily have to be eight or nine hours. Everybody's different. But as long as it's like solid sleep. And then another thing also is, well, stress. Yeah. <laughs> back to the stress back piece. To the stress. Yeah, back to the stress. So that's like, the, that's an, uh, more of an underlying cause, mm-hmm. right? So everything kind of stems from that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that it part of it is hormonal. Part of it is, is genetics and part of it is diet and so on and so forth. It's all just so connected. Like how does exercise affect your hormones? And I've been wondering that a lot lately because sometimes I feel like after when I'm exercising, I feel really, really good. But then sometimes I almost feel a little bit anxious afterwards. And I wonder if that goes hand in hand with like over exhaustion or over exerting yourself. And if you can kind of get your hormones out of whack just by exercising too much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, honey. I'm Let sure me that's a doozy of a question that I just threw at um, you. But So last let me see, was it last year? I think, no, it was 2015. Um, I was going to school, but I was also working 50 hours a week. Oh my gosh. As a trainer and a manager for the gym. Oh my gosh. So picture this, right? You get up at four in the morning, okay? You rush out the door to get to the gym to open it at five. <laughs> don't eat breakfast. You don't really get a chance to eat. And you are immediately training. Okay, guys, come on. We got a, you know, we got a group exercise class. And you are running around the room like a crazy person. Yeah. Having to get to 20 different people at the same time to correct their posture or right. their whatever, right? Um, and doing that all day. So I can tell you for a fact, like over-exercising, I mean, of course, that's a really crazy example, but over-exercising can definitely put your hormones out of whack. Mm. I think that it's a, it's a delicate dance when it comes to cortisol. Um, some people, they experience a lift in the morning when they exercise because it raises the cortisol. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's supposed to already be in that bell curve by like 9 a.m. typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you see a dip when it goes 1, 2 p.m. And then woo, it goes up again, you know, 5, 6 p.m. And then it goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it depends on where the person's hormonal cascade is already at. So if you're already under stress and you already have high estrogen, you already have high cortisol, your, pro, your progesterone's in the tank, you're going to experience more of a, a downer in the morning when you when you work out because it's already mm. super, super high. Um, so it probably would be best for people like that to work out in the evening and not do something really excruciating. Like you don't want to do, you don't want to go on a five mile run. You don't want to be doing sprints, things like that. Um, really, our bodies are designed for short bursts of speed. Um, we're not designed for really, really long periods of, you know, of uh, running or sprinting, things like that. That's really just to get us away from the quote unquote danger. So I think brisk walking, uh, weightlifting, any kind of uh, any kind of yoga really mm-hmm. would be great. Pilates is really good. And then just keeping that to um, keeping the ex- more strenuous workouts. Like if you're going to be doing a, a circuit at your cross at your box, at your CrossFit box, do that two to three times a week. If you already know that you're having to work on your digestion, you're having to work on your blood sugar, you're having to work on your hormones, you want to tone that down. And then the rest of the time, just take an easy breezy walk in the morning, you know, kind of get the blood going, get the cool air in your face, Mm -hmm. you know, wake up for the day. And then if you want to go for another walk in the evening, you'd feel better. You, You definitely sleep better. I can tell you that go for another short walk, like maybe a mile or a half a mile. Um, so it really kind of depends where the, where you're at with your um, stress levels already. So 
if you have a stressful job, I don't recommend working out a lot, maybe a couple days a week. It's such a hard balance because I know, like, for example, I went on a three mile run a couple days ago. And while I'm running, it feels so good. Like I get kind of like that high and I feel great. And then afterwards, I kind of feel a little bit anxious almost. Like my body needs to relax and it needs to tone down. And it's like, well, I love working out, but then I can also... And then I get kind of stressed if I'm not working out. Then I kind of get worried like, oh, I need to work out. Right. And then... But then like you're saying when I'm really stressed at school, it's like working out makes me feel better. But then it depends on what kind of workout I'm doing. Because if I go on that run and then I've overexerted myself, then I feel worse. So yeah, I have to find the happy balance. I need to talk to you. I need to set up my call (laughs) so we can chat about this in more detail. The body is no joke. It just, I mean, it gives you signs when something is not right. Mm -hmm. And all of the things we know, like we know we need to get enough sleep. We know that we need to eat healthy. We know that we need to reduce our stress. But then it's like, we still have this epidemic of unhealthy people and of a bunch of, and I'm going to, really focus on women, obviously, because we are women and a lot of our listeners are, but, and women who's, who are struggling with like fatigue and mm-hmm. like missing their periods and like not losing weight. And it's like, we know all these things, but it's so hard sometimes to put into practice what we need to do. I think a lot of times it's our society, specifically American society, like Our society doesn't accommodate people taking the time to meditate or taking the time to get enough sleep or you're encouraged like work, 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 and then like come home and work, 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 but like just on other things. And we're not as a society encouraged to invest in our wellness and take time to relax, take time to take vacations or- And why? I don't know. I mean- Let's fix it. I don't know about (laughs) you, but that- it really bothers me because I feel like a lot of us wouldn't have these problems if we weren't just riding the society train. Mm-hmm. And I don't and it's not a healthy way to live life. Absolutely. Oh, and I almost forgot there actually is one more thing that could be leading to that because I do have quite a few friends where that's kind of where they store their body fat. You know, if you're finding it hard to get rid of, you know, kind of like get that you know, for it to dissipate. One other thing you want to look at is again, the gut, you know, Mm. may have a bacterial imbalance because there is, there is actually a gut bacteria family that causes the body to hold on to more fat because it's, it's imbalanced. It's overtaking the, uh, these other bacterial strains in your gut. So recent back on the gut health and um, balancing out the gut bacteria is important too. Is this where probiotics come into play? Exactly. Okay. Yes. As I'm always posting my probiotic drink on our Insta <laughs> stories. And I have a, I'm drinking kombucha right now. Right now. I love it. Love it. It just makes me feel really good. I emailed Can you I about it? it a couple days ago. You're I've not going to like it, it, I don't think. Gonna... But I emailed you and I was like, when I drink kombucha, I immediately feel better. It's like I've stopped drinking coffee. And when I drink a kombucha, I feel like I'm drinking coffee. It like gives me like this boost of energy. And I'm like riding on top of the world. That's not bad. Are you like it? Yeah, I don't know what I thought it was, but it's not bad tasting. Cody's afraid of it because it has the little floaty things in the bottom. It's just oh. sediment. So does oh, wine. God. So does beer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anybody that's ever like just uh, thrown it back, um, they often like will get a nasty surprise because part of the mother's in there. <laughs> oh, what and does it's that just, mean? Like, a little jellyfish that slides down your throat <gasps> sometimes. Wait, what? that's always fun. Um, there's, yeah, Liz just drank this and now immediately regrets her decision after she what you say in that? this drink. Liz, Tell sorry. me what kombucha is. <laughs> so, your question, what, what is kombucha? Yeah, like now, like, what is in it? Live and active okay. cultures. So, I'll see if I can remember the abbreviation correctly, but... Um, so kombucha is a probiotic drink that's made from uh, what's called a SCOBY. It's basically a little colony of bacteria. It's typically used like with green tea, black tea. Personally, I don't really suggest black tea. Really? Um, but herbal tea is really good too. So you make the tea, you sweeten it, and you have to put a lot of sugar in there because that's what it feeds off of. So you can buy your scobies and it looks like this little, like this little circular um, jelly pad almost, kind of like the underside of like a mouse pad or something. It's really weird. And you can get that 
And once the tea is cold, you put that in the jar with the tea. You leave it in a nice, cool, dark place for about a week. Go and check on it. You got to make sure it's sealed, though, because bugs really like to get in there and they really like to feast off of the SCOBY, which is disgusting. Um, This is (laughs) if you're making homemade kombucha, right? Oh, this is how you make it, period. Oh, okay. Uh, so when we buy the kombucha to store, it's coming from these really large vats mm. um, that are temperature controlled and, you know, they're babysat all the time. So it's actually a living organism. And so you're drinking kind of what the... <laughs> my, I wish you could see my face. It's like intrigued and scared. At the uh, same time. Your face is so funny right now. Yes. Yes. Uh, I can't, I imagine that it's exactly like my friend's face when they came over and went to my garage to get um, something out of the pantry and they saw all these huge bell jars with all these scobies in it. And they're oh like, what, what are you doing? There? Like, it's healthy for you, I promise. <laughs> yeah, they're all, it looks like something from Alien. This is not funny. <laughs> so Nina, how often do you drink this drink? Um, I don't know, like a few times a week. Do you drink the whole bottle at once? Okay, I don't know. Should I not? Now no, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how to incorporate because the, uh, the drink wasn't bad. It kind of tasted apple cider vinegar. This is but... actually a question I've been wanting to ask is that the serving size says two per container, but I usually drink the whole thing and I don't have a problem with it. Is that bad? No, again, it comes back to, you know, whatever... It works for you um, as an individual. So some people, um, they're trying to repopulate the gut, but they have a sensitivity when it comes to the kombucha because there might be certain things that they can't handle with it, like the amino acid profile that's Mm. um, there. They might not be able to handle that. Hmm. So they would only be able to have a little bit of that. But if you feel good after drinking the whole thing, like I feel great after drinking. Yeah. The, it's weird. It's really weird. I think that there, I thought there was something wrong with me where I was like, why do I feel so good after I drink a whole bottle of this? Yeah. Yeah. So if you feel good, I highly encourage you just to drink it. Um, but if you're just, if you're starting out drinking kombucha or water kefir or anything like that and you're brand new to it, I would say take it a little bit at a time, you know, just to kind of introduce it Hmm. into the system. Speaking of probiotics, can you take too many? So I know, um, what's the supplement you gave me to take? I take two of them in the evening. I don't know. They're in like little white capsules. I think it starts with a J. Jaro. Jaro is... Really good. I don't want to say generic brand, but you can pretty much get it in a lot of different stores, Sprouts, Whole Foods, yeah, uh, Wegmans. That also depends as well. Okay, so when it comes to probiotics, um, this is also really important to supporting your stress levels as well. You know, because we were talking about the gut is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And this is actually where a lot of the stressless um, hormones are created in the gut. So... When you're going to take probiotics, be sure you don't take it before you eat a meal because um, your body's going to be producing the stomach acid and all the enzymes and juices that it would need to, you know, get ready for the meal. And so that would and just just completely obliterate hmm. the the bacteria. So I would I always recommend take it either before bed or you take it a couple hours after you've eaten. Um, in the evening, typically not throughout the day because we are going to be kind of snacking throughout the day or we're going to be, you know, drinking certain things like coffee or tea. Um, So it's just best to kind of take it at the end of the day as part of your bedtime routine. It's a really easy thing to work into that. And depending on the case, like if you're just wanting to introduce probiotics into your system, period, I would just get a a multi-probiotic, you know, a multi-strain. Mm-hmm. And then start with a capsule. See how that goes. You know, write it down. Again, this is where the food journal comes in or just your journal period. Write it down how how you felt. Did you notice a difference in your, you know, in your bathroom routine? Like, did you experience a little bit more constipation than normal or things like that? Um, And then if that works, bump it up to two. So can you take too much probiotics? Like if you are taking the capsule and then you like to drink kombucha and maybe you've bought some sort of fermented food from the grocery store. Can you overdo it? You can definitely overdo anything. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. It's like, even if it's been touted as, oh, this is amazing. It's like heavenly manna. Yeah. Probiotics, you can definitely overdo. And it's all about rotation too. So 
if you're wanting to experiment with different kinds of fermented foods, and there's so many different things out there, and there's so many you can make yourself. But if you're just wanting to buy them, you know, you go to get the sauerkraut, the kimchi, the natto, or the water kefir, anything like that, or yogurt, anything like that. Um, I would just recommend keeping a good rotation. Like mm-hmm. one week you have sauerkraut and yogurt and your probiotics. And then, you know, two weeks later, you try some different fermented foods, maybe one or two. And then the next month, you're going to want to switch to a different probiotic because by the end of the first month, you're going to be out of it, out of the one you're using, but you're going to want to introduce different strains into your system so that we're not, um, we're not overriding the balance. You know, mm-hmm. we're not, causing an imbalance in the gut bacteria. It makes a lot this of sense. This is so sciencey. I I <laughs> love it. I love it. And I don't know if I've talked to you about this yet, but I so wanted to get like my health coaching license or like go to school just to learn about all of this. I don't know if I actually would want to be you and like help because I don't know. I just don't feel like I would know enough yet, but it's just so interesting to know the science behind everything and how the body works. I think it's fascinating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like if you, if you, if you can be a sponge and soak up information and um, I wouldn't say, you know, barf it back out, but, you know, share that with other people, mm-hmm. um, you know, telling, telling other people like stories out of what you've learned. Absolutely. And hey, I, I still feel like a little baby every day <laughs> with all the things that I've read and, you know, a podcast episode I listen to and I go, gosh, I should have known that. But then, you know, I have to remember, we can't know everything. Yeah, so exactly. true. And so if you find your niche, like if you find something in particular that you're really crazy about, like for me, it's, you know, gut bacteria you know, stress, you know, these are things that I can relate to. So that's kind of where I would gravitate. So as long as you kind of focus like Mm -hmm. on, you know, a niche and just dive right in and devote your, your energy and your time to that, you know, you're going to be an expert in no time. (laughs) It's good to know. Well, we've talked a lot about kind of like, I don't want to say trends, but a lot of things that are kind of hot topics right now in the nutritional world. Um, Are there any misconceptions that you've heard going around recently about food or health that you kind of are are not on board with? Yeah, that you want to jump in and say, no, don't believe that. That's not true. Yeah. (laughs) Here's your chance. (laughs) Well, you know, I've learned a lot by working with this, uh, this clinical nutritionist that I work under, Jessica Flanagan. And I'll I'll include that on the resources, of course, because it's just such wonderful information she has to share. Um, But one thing I've learned is that no one protocol works for two cases. And by that, I mean, no one thing is going to work for everybody. And so, for example, you know, she she started out primarily working with AIP people. I primarily started working out with, you know, people in, in the gym and I started working with broken gut. And after a while, I realized, okay, I can't apply the same plan to every single person because everybody's story is different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's body is totally different. And I think one thing I would definitely, you know, like to dispel is that if you're working with a practitioner and they say, well, we're going to put you on this protocol, I want to encourage you not to be scared. And I know that's hard, but you don't have to stay there. Mm. And in fact, I really recommend that people don't unless otherwise advised by their practitioner. Because I'm on Facebook every now and then, and I'm part of just a ton of different health and wellness groups and you know focus groups because I, I kind of want to have my spoon in all these different pots, right? And mm-hmm. kind of keep up to date on what's going on. You know, we've got the SIBO groups, we've got the paleo, we've got the paleo autoimmune. I mean, we just have dozens and dozens and dozens. The problem with that is that it kind of it kind of deters our attention from, you know, what is best for me? Am I addressing, you know, things that have happened in my past that are affecting me now that is combined with the stress of now that maybe I need to tweak this protocol for myself and not follow it to the letter? So if anything, I would just kind of encourage people to, you know, if you if you're gonna be on the SIBO protocol, but you're finding that there's some of it that just isn't working for you and you don't feel good on it, don't do it. 
Mm, Um, Just because it's written down doesn't mean it's going to work for you. There's this new movement coming out of the health world. I don't know if you ladies have seen that or not, where it's very much bio-individual and individually based. You know, we're seeing a lot of this in medical care as well, where people are going, okay, well, this might work for this guy over here, but hey, it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. So we got to do something different. Mm -hmm. People are speaking up. They are coming up to the plate and I am just loving it because... We're we're seeing a huge shift when it comes to people's health across this this country. I love that. And I kind of have noticed that too, because I feel like a lot of my friends that I've talked to or that who are dealing with sort of health-related issues, like they'll go to a doctor and before it would be like, well, and it still kind of is like this, but it would yeah. be like, oh, you're feeling this way, take this. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. feeling this way, here's this for you. And that's what made me start to explore these other options because I was like, that can't be right. Like it can't be a one these... size fits all yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Especially when so often they don't even ask really probing questions. You know, you give them a few things and they're like, oh, it's this, 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 here's this. And I'm not saying I question doctors, um, but I do think, you know, big pharma is a thing. Mm-hmm. pharmaceutical reps want drugs sold. I think that some practitioners are a little loose when you go to them with a problem and just like saying, here's the magic cure and yeah. go for it. Yeah. And I know that like there are tons of doctors who do not do that. Right. 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 So, and like there are some that do and there are some that don't. But I think like when you go to somebody and they seem to actually listen to what your ailments are. And then like you said, what are the things in your past that maybe are coming up now that we need to resolve? Like what are the root problems? That's when you feel like, oh my gosh, I can take a breath because now we're talking about my individual body and my individual needs and what I need to do to heal myself. Yes, absolutely. What are some of the triggers from the past that seem to come up and affect people now? This was kind of a pattern that I would see back when I was working in California in my practice. I actually had a lot of people who were sexually abused as kids. Mm. Um, I know that's a sensitive, sensitive topic, but it was a consistent pattern. And what I could see was it was there was fear. They mm. were very afraid and they felt trapped uh, in their own body. They hadn't let that go. They hadn't found someone to work with them on that really deep, dark piece of their past. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that are going to practitioners and saying, help me, please. No one else can help me. But their root cause was never talked about. It never, you know, they weren't being asked, I guess you could say more personal questions like how, what was your childhood? Like, you know, what was it like growing up where you lived? Um, what, who, how, how did your parents parent you? Or, you know, all these more deeper questions, they weren't being asked. And so when they came to me and I started asking those questions, we started seeing some results. Um, because that way we were able to identify what patterns were continuing because they hadn't come into acceptance and of their past and given it grace and said, I love you, I release you, mm-hmm. I'm moving forward. Accepting those pieces of your past are very important. And it's even more important to find someone that you can really trust to listen to you about you know, what you've experienced and how that could be continuing to affect your health. Um, Because if it was a very stressful circumstance, the thing is your body is going to uh, be in a perpetual uh, flight or fight mode, Mm -hmm. whether you're in, yeah, whether you realize it or not, um, it very well could still be in that. And when you're in that mode, it's very hard to find healing and to really, you know, kind of step away from all these symptoms that you're experiencing. I think you really hit the nail on the head with saying you might not even realize that you are in fight or flight mode. If if it's such a big part of your existence, if it was something that happened long ago, like it's just who you are at this point. And even scaling it back a little bit, like on our latest episode or a couple episodes ago, Liz, you were talking about your issues with like body acceptance Mm -hmm. and like how you felt when you were a child. And I know for a fact that a lot of the issues I'm dealing with today are just responses from like these 
fearful, anxiety thoughts I had when I was younger that even though you might not be feeling the same way as you did when you were younger, it's like the the anxiety is still living in your body somehow. And it's mm-hmm. now manifesting in these health concerns. So do you find that it comes from like these moments of anxiety or these fearful places when people are younger and that's what starts to cause some of the issues as we get older? Yeah, I do. I'm not going to get into too much into psychology right now because I'm not an expert. <laughs> that has been a recent interest of mine because like I was saying, that's a pattern that I would see with a lot of with a lot of my clients. And not just that, but like people, they, they'll, they'll tell me things and it's like a consistent pattern that I can see. It's like, oh, wow, okay, that was 20 years ago, but you still haven't dealt with that. Mm-hmm. And you're still dealing with that um, because you don't realize you haven't. Um, so I think for everybody, it's going to be different. But for a lot of people, um, there's a lot that's tied to their childhood. I mean, if you were called fat as a kid and you weren't, or you were told that you looked funny, uh, I mean, that's my case. Uh, I don't know about everybody else out there, but um, that will continue to haunt you, mm-hmm. you know, and it will kind of be this perpetual bogeyman under your bed, even into your adult life. I mean, you could be 35 years old and still wondering, oh gosh, am I going to be accepted here? I don't know. And on the outside, you could have like this super confident, oh, I'm, you know, such a badass kind of attitude. But on the inside, you know, that still small, quiet child has not been addressed and, you know, said, you know, come, come out, come out. You're safe. It's okay. You're loved. You don't need to worry about, you know, people making fun of you or anything anymore. And I think that there's a lot of us, especially women and guys too, but a lot of women that are out there still dealing with these deep underlying issues that continue to affect our health to this Mm -hmm. day. Definitely. And just talking to somebody and doing these mindfulness practices, is that what you found to be the most helpful in releasing these emotions? Absolutely. Yeah. And one thing, because I know we were talking about tools and things earlier. So when it comes to dealing with this piece of your past, you know, number one, find someone you can really trust. Um, It could be a therapist. It could be a friend. It could be anybody that, you know, I can implicitly trust that person that they're not going to say anything and it's going to be between us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two is journaling. I think a lot of people have really forgotten the value of sitting down in a quiet place, whether it's in the morning before you go to work or in the evening after you come home from work. I mean, you could do with a glass of wine next to you. <laughs> That's our style. Matter. Yeah. Wine and shine. <laughs> wine and journal. <laughs> um, just have a journal and it could be, you know, whatever went on throughout your day or if there's something that you're actually, you know, trying to push towards, I always encourage my clients to start an affirmation journal. And so working on your issues with that person and then, you know, also having a place where you're writing down your train of thought, that's super, super important. Love it. It sounds like all in all, there's like, it's a circle. Like you need to Everything's work on- so related. Yeah, you need to work on, of course, like- the body piece of everything and feeding your body what it needs and listening to your body and then giving it sleep and then giving it like the mindfulness practice it needs. And And the mind is part of the body. Exactly. So you have to treat that as kind of its own separate thing yet still connected to everything. Right. It's like you can't just focus on the mindfulness and forget about the nutrition. And you can't just Mm -hmm. focus on nutrition and forget about the mindfulness. You have to do everything in conjunction with itself. Absolutely. This has been so informative. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I know personally, I mean, I have millions of more questions I could keep asking. I could sit here all day. I I know it. I knew this would be the case. I was like, she's going to just light up. I know. It's my favorite topic. I know. I love it. It really is. And I think it's my favorite topic because I learned so much about myself and then I try and apply it and I just want to keep eating it all up. Fantastic. Hey, it's one of my favorite topics too. So it's all great. (laughs) And it's what you do. So that's perfect. Absolutely. Yep. Do do what you love and you'll love what you do. So where can our listeners find you if they want to maybe work with you and work with a nutritional therapist or just do a little bit of more research? Um, tell them where they can check you out. So everybody can find me on my new site, um, www.thebigshift.org. 
Um, you guys can also find me off of Twitter and Instagram uh, at Kelly G and TP. And then the Facebook page is going to be um, www.facebook.com slash the big shift. Awesome. awesome. Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> So thank you again to Kelly Graham for coming on. We learned a ton about a lot of topics. There is a lot that we covered today. And I think a lot that you can take away and apply right away to reducing stress and starting to listen to your body more and bringing in wellness is a holistic part of your health journey. So as always, we love hearing topic ideas, comments, questions, a high. Highs are nice. I love we'll take highs. It. Feel free to reach out to us online. We are at wineandshinepodcast.com on Facebook, Wine and Shine Podcast. Instagram is a big fave at Wine and Shine Podcast. And then send us an email to our account at wineandshinepodcast at gmail.com. We love just having conversations. We've had a lot of cool people just reach out to us. So mm-hmm. stay in touch and we'll catch you the next episode. See ya.